Um, first one here. This is going back to um, the story that we had about closed borders. Yes, yes. Strong language warning. Um, can you imagine how many people are stuck on the other side of the borders? This is sheer stupidity of government. Who in their right mind would do such things in the name of health? Do they really think you can actually stop COVID at the border? Moronic and demonic. So, yeah, strong language right there. I think I think what Queensland's philosophy is, and uh, we, you know, we can debate all day the rightness and the wrongness of it, is that they have very little COVID there, and if they have, if they can keep very little COVID, then they can get their vaccines far ahead of uh, COVID before you know it actually happens, uh, because at some point they're going to have to declare it to be endemic, and at that particular point, well, then it is just going to yeah let it run, let it run. And so I think what they're trying to do is you know hit, hit the. It looks like most states are going to go somewhere into the ninety percent for vaccinations, and I think they want to hit that target before they let anybody else in. But yeah, keeping your own keeping your own out, citizens that's, that's out that's absolutely wrong. I, I, yeah, I agree. Leaving leaving single mothers in tents seriously. I mean, let her go home and let her yeah. isolate at home. If need be but absolutely. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> I tell you what, there's going to be a lot of learning to uh, a lot of hindsight once COVID is over, and a lot of lessons to be learned. Royal may the commissions. Lord, may the Lord come back soon. Yeah, let's have, yeah, let's have some <laughs> royal commissions. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's see who else. What else we got? Francis Priest. Too bad Catholics. I was one. Don't know the history of the confessional. From memory, it started about 1563 AD for the reason of basically keeping tabs on the kings, the nobles, and the plebs, making the Catholic Church the biggest information-gathering organization in the world. Wow. The book, I believe, is The Confessional uh, by a Catholic priest, Charles Chinnicky, who was also a good president, friend of President Lincoln. I've actually read that book. Um, it's called the, priest, the, Conf- the Woman, the Priest, and the Confessional. This was a book that, actually, Darren, you'd be very interested in this one. It was written... In the 1860s, 1870s, and it exposed um, the child abuse and abuse of women that was taking place back then um, as a result of the confessional. Well, I'm going to get that book. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I read it many years ago, and I thought, I thought, this is pretty wild. This is pretty out there. And then we had a royal commission here in Australia, and, it was and suddenly, suddenly realised that actually this this whole thing was exactly as he said it was back then. Uh, anyway, uh, then we have this one says, "Praise God for Asian aid. May God continue to bless their work." After the financial crash, crash, we should ask them to be in charge of the economy with their banking system. Ideas. That is back to basics. So let's start goat banks again and duck banks. They've got goat banks and duck banks <laughs> duck happening. Banks. Yeah. Maybe my Indian runners will be my salvation. <laughs> you might, you might end up being the wealthiest man in I'm Australia ahead of the game. when uh, when we have a financial crash because you're you're already in there. You're, I've got you're, my own personal chook and duck bank. It's full. It is full. Fantastic well, stuff. Well, Shirley, our producer, has rescued me. I have another quiz question. I told, who am I? I told Hezekiah to get his house in order because he was going to die. Oh, who might that be? Told Hezekiah to get his house in order. I'm going to write something down here um, and I'm going to go this away. Let me get the spelling correct. 
And I got that one right. Lyle has got it. So uh, one for the tally over here. So right. for the thought makers, the book, The Thought Makers, Ruling the World from Their Graves, Darwin, Freud, Karl Marx, etc. what they have in common, give us a call 0491 if you know the answer to that question. Let's head over to the book of Deuteronomy where we are studying my favourite, my second favourite book, I, Book of Moses. Also mine, I love Deuteronomy. It's the best, eh? It is the best. And we're going to start in Chapter 1. Um, and Chapter 1, of course, relates to Numbers Chapter 14. So we're going to look at Numbers Chapter 14 as well. And so it's, it's talking about Kadesh Barnea. And, of course, this was a place where the Israelites had come to the borders of the Promised Land in the past and had turned back from those borders. Uh, there'd been a general rebellion right there, and it kind of haunted them for about the last 40 years, and now they're... They're, they're pretty much back there again. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, uh, we've got a bit of a passage here. Uh, why don't you start reading for us there in verse 20. Uh, please, Darren. Okay, Jerry, 1 and verse 20, 19. There we go. I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all came to me and said, First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. This seemed like a good idea to me, so I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. They headed for the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. They picked some of its fruits and brought it back to us, and they reported the land the Lord our God has given us is indeed a good land. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord, your, your God, and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said the Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here to, from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Okay, let's, let's just stop there for a moment. Let's, let's stop and think about this. Okay, so, you know, I think that uh, often we we look at the Israelites at this particular point and we give them a bit of a hard time. We, we, we judge them. <laughs> we do because we're like, you've got to be joking. You're on the borders of the promised land. This is what you've been aiming for. This has been your goal. You've now arrived and God has said, go in and take it. And you've gone in there and you've seen it and you've seen how good it is. The fruits are huge. So, so go awesome. and get it. So go and get it. Um, I think sometimes it would be valuable for us to put ourselves in the shoes or in the tent yes. of one of those Israelites. And, you know, Darren, myself, uh, as the, you know, the head of our family, it would then be our responsibility um, as ex-slaves. Mm -hmm. We've got to create weapons and oh. to take that land, we've got to go to war. And that's not going to be... That's going to be very, very confronting kind of thought. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So, Darren, let's think about this for a moment. Let's say that you've been a slave for most of your life and you've experienced freedom for the last year. And that freedom has been wonderful, even though you've been living in the desert, in the wilderness. Well, you've seen amazing miracles, okay? You've seen amazing miracles, but at the same time, now... It's your responsibility to make a knife, a large knife, a sword. And go in. And, and hack other people to death. And you don't know how to use a knife. And you don't know how to use it. And you know that the people that you're going up against do know how to use it. They have trained armies. Yes. And there's 
a family of giants who lives over there. Yes. Uh, the sons and, of Anak. And they wear like grasshoppers. <laughs> yes. So there's a family of giants in one of those cities uh, or maybe even spread through several of those cities. We don't know. Uh, so you know all of this and I've got to tell you, you know, when you study the history of these ancient battles that took place where, you know, the primary form of combat was hand-to-hand combat, typically what would happen in these battles is the two lines would draw up and, and you'll see this, you know, taking place yep. in the Bible in numerous occasions and it was pretty much par for the course in the ancient world wherever you it went. It was the art of war. It was the art of war. The, you, you, the, your two armies would, would, would line up and face each other and they would know and they would be they would recognize that at some point they were going to be fighting each other to the death and there's something within human beings that you know that holds us back from actually you know cutting and hacking and stabbing another human being there's that and then there is the sheer terror if i don't kill i'm going to be killed of being killed and being hacked to death yourself and we know this because, you know, we, we, we excavate these ancient battlefields, we look at the skeletons that are left over, and you can see that, you know, a lot of these skeletons, their teeth are completely crushed, where they've gritted their teeth so bad, so hard, to um, to deal with what they're having to deal with, that their teeth are just snapping off inside of their heads, just from the sheer terror of it. I don't think I want to be there. I'll no, be not in my at all. Tent. Not at all. And what you would find is that sometimes these armies would line up and they would face each other sometimes for hours and yell insults. Yes, yes. Take because, Goliath. Because, because no one, no one was. Goliath is a primary example of this, where they lined up for like a month. Yeah. Every day they would line up and they would shout insults at each other. He would come out and taunt. <laughs> he would come out and taunt them, and no one would be game to go out. Or to, 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 you know, and eventually what would happen at some particular point, one side or the other would charge and then it would be on. Yeah. But the reason that they would do that was because both sides were actually terrified and neither side wanted to engage in the conflict and both sides, everyone on both sides just wanted to go home and have peace. Knew that they couldn't, knew that they didn't have that option, but they didn't want to be there and they didn't want to be doing that. Now, the whole concept of, you know, Goliath coming out is very common in the ancient world where you would get some people who would be like, you know what, I'm going to go out and win myself some fame and honor and challenge somebody else from the other side to come out to, you know, single-handed combat. And by doing so, you know, if you survive that, then you might, you know, be your esteem might go up. You might have, you know, better choice of women and all that kind of thing within the culture that you live in. And so this was something that would commonly take place. You would have... Uh, young men who you know what it's like to be young and you feel ten foot tall and bulletproof. Yep. Who would immortal. feel like yeah, you feel immortal. Like, yeah, I'll go out there and take on one of their guys. And, and that's why and, they don't get insurance in this day and age till about twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um and so you would have this kind of event taking place where um you know, we really underestimate just how horrifically terrifying that would be. You see, when we go to warfare today we don't see the bullet coming that's going to kill us. No, it comes from a drone or something. It comes from a drone and it's coming so fast that you can't see it coming. But But in those days, if you were killed in battle, you saw the sword coming, you saw the spear coming, and you knew you couldn't avoid it in that moment and you were about to die. And it was it's just horrific. It's gruesome. And so, you know, there's, there's kind of two sides to this story. Mm. All mm. we ever look at, you know, is the is the glory of the battlefield and the fact that God has fought for them and that their enemies were drowned in the Red Sea. What have you got to be afraid of? We write them off as stupid, but <laughs> yes, stupid and rebellious. 
But my question is this. If you were in one of those tents that night and initially, you know, you've seen the good things out of the land, you've heard the good report um, and, you know, you're super excited about it. But then you hear this report of like, yeah, we're going to go over there, but we're not going to take this without sustaining a lot of casualties. There's big people there and they've got an army organised. <laughs> and you go back to your tent that night and you start talking with your family and you look at your family and you realise how much you value your family and you value your kids and you value your wife and you value your life. It would not be hard for your mind to go down a negative path at that particular point, a path that says, let's go back to Egypt. It's, it's, at least we knew they, what we were up against. At least we knew what we were up against, and they don't actually have an army right now. Yeah, that's right. You know, Egypt is, Egypt is, is, maybe is better easy for us to go back. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's better off to go back to Egypt. So let's get rid of Moses. Let's march back to Egypt and, you know. Here we are. Make us slave again. At least we knew what we were doing. We can make bricks. <laughs> and this is also something that um, that is very relevant is that people feel insecure when they don't know their position in society. Mm. And they mm. know what it is to be a slave. They don't really know what it is to be free. That's right. And so going back to slavery would be, in some ways, going back to a sense of security. You, you see this, you know, you see this happen in domestic situations today, where a person grows up in an abusive household, and then they have an abusive household of their own when they grow up, because it feels normal. Abuse is abuse, exactly. And, and the abused, unfortunately, abuse. And the abused abuse, and the abused stay in the abusive relationship because that's what they knew as a kid, that's what they know as an adult, and that's what gives them a sense of security. They know how to be an abused person. They don't know how to be a normal person like you and I. You see it in the story of Goma, you know, in the Bible, Hosea and Goma, where she knows how to be a prostitute, but she doesn't know how to be the pastor's wife. Mm, and that's a huge story. It is. It is. It's a massive story. And so there's a whole bunch of things that come through here that when you actually stop and think about it, you know, I have to ask myself the question, okay, what would the conversation be like that I'd be having with, with my family in the tent that night, you know, where I've got my sons there and they're going to be fighting alongside of me? You don't want to lose your sons. And I've got my brand-new granddaughter who is, you know, three months old and yep. I want to see her grow up. Um, you're making it real now, Lyle. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's not and, just and a story. In the... <laughs> no, no, we, and, and and this is where faith becomes real because God mm. told them to go in and take it. You know, uh, God told them to go across the Red Sea. Uh, they went across the Red Sea, and you know, when they went across the Red Sea, they were able to see the sea open before them. But they had to walk through those two walls of water. That would be intimidating. And they can't swim. They can't swim. Yeah, no, you're not going to. You got. They got all their possessions. They got their their family, their children. You know, even if one or two of them can swim, then it's not going to really right. solve much, is it? Um, but they have, you know, they've they've eaten the manna every day, and they get up the next morning, they're still eating manna. Um, and 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 so they've got this. Ev- so you you've got these two sides of the coin. They have ample evidence that God can do this for them. But when I put myself in their shoes, I would like to think like, I would have been, you know, Caleb and Joshua. Like, yeah, let's let's go over and take it. I like to think that. Well, I I would choose my family first. I think a lot of us would. I think a lot of us would. 
Yeah, anyway, okay, so what have we got here? Uh, uh, text coming through. Didn't they have weapons from the Egyptian destroyed army? This is an interesting thought. Mm. I think that they would have had a lot of weapons that they plundered from the Egyptians. Didn't I the Egyptians most the, get buried? Yeah, they, were, they would have been under un, underwater. Yeah, had to go swimming for them, and they can't swim. Yeah, anyway. Uh, but I think they would have had a lot of weapons that they plundered. So they yeah. wouldn't necessarily have, you know, and by the time they reached this particular point, if they knew that they are going to be taking the promised land, I'm sure that they spent the last, you know, maybe they're not making a weapon that night. But I, probably... I don't think you find there in, in the Exodus a trained army. There's no training exercises on how to become an army that I can see. Yes. Okay, so the, the next part of this text goes on. It says, even before going over to the promised land, didn't they destroy two kings, King of Og being one of them? Okay, the point here is we're not talking about the second invasion, we're talking about the first one, mm, mm. one where there was 12 spies, not the one when, where there was two. Yep, yep. yep. So I think, I think our listeners just sort of got confused over which one of the two. So basically what you've got in Deuteronomy is that Moses is looking back. He's like, okay, you're back here again. Don't forget what happened last time. So, so we're talking means a repetition. Yes, we're talking about last time. We're not talking yep. about this time. Yep. Because this time they don't flinch. Last time they flinched. And yep. really that's what it is. It's a flinch. And Moses is given the final instruction because he knows he's not going in. So he's preaching his final sermon here in Deuteronomy. Um, that's right. So, yeah, he's basically saying remember what happened back then and learn from it. Okay, very few, if any, of Israel's soldiers would actually die in battle as God was fighting for them when they did what God commanded. That's absolutely true. true. No question, that is absolutely true. As you said, though, it's sitting in your tent. Mess with your head. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, uh, Bruce has uh, called up to mention that the Israelites did have some training for battle. Because they had fought the Amalekites. So they fought the Amalekites before they reached the Promised Land the first time. You're right. Yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was enough that I say we don't want to go. Maybe, (laughs) because there were times, we know during that battle there were times when the Amalekites started to get the upper hand. Because we have the story of Moses standing up on top of the mountain and his arms being held up by Aaron and Hur, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. Um, that uh, picture is embedded in my mind from Uncle Arthur's Bible stories of them standing on top of the mountain while the battle wages below. And so there were times when, yeah, there may have been some casualties from that particular battle. So good point there, Bruce. Thank you for sharing that right there. It uh, it's still, you know, maybe maybe that contributed to the fact that they had pause for thought. Mm, mm, it could have. Either which way, it was a lack of faith. They do have the cloud, the pillar of cloud right there with them, visibly in their presence every day. We don't have that. I've never seen a cloud of fire leading me. I've looked at the clouds and said, show me where to go, but they don't. Yes, yes. (laughs) And uh, neither do we have an experience where you or I have ever crossed through the ocean on dry land. I've never walked on water or through water. Nope. I've, I've buried a car in water. But. Yes. Well, yeah. now, now, that was an interesting story. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Driving in floodwaters. <clears throat> All right. Let's go to uh, Numbers. No, let's stay in Deuteronomy. Let's, uh, where did we get up to? I think we read verse 27. I got to verse 28. 28. Okay, that's right, 28. Let's pick it up in verse 28. Let's read some more verses. As Moses continues to recount the story of what had taken place 40 years ago. 
He says, where can we go? Our brothers have demoralised us with the report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are, and their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you travelled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's just have a bit of a think about what we've got so far, because now we've got the flip side of the coin. Yeah. You know, we've talked about the scary stuff, but now we've got God comes along and, 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 and Moses is, you know, before they even send out the spies, before they even go in to search out the promised land the second time around... Moses is having this conversation with them. He's like, okay, 40 years ago you rebelled. That's what I said. And you got scared. But now let me remind you, you have the Lord and the Lord will fight for you. And you don't need to be afraid and you don't need to be scared because God is going to fight for you. And he used the very language you're talking about there, Lyle, where he says, as a father cares for his child. So here's a dad in the tent saying, I love my kids. That's right. And so when they go back to their tents to have that conversation with their family and they're looking at their, at their children and thinking, I don't want to see my children grow up without a father, they are reminded that God loves them in the same way they love their children. Powerful. powerful. Very powerful stuff that Moses is saying right here. He's kind of like he's, he's uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's immunizing them against the, uh, the, the, Words of discouragement that they had used the last time around, mm, mm, and he's addressing mm. all of the. He is addressing specifically addressing all of the complaints that had been made the last time around, and the reason for their fear the last time around. He's like you guys don't need to be afraid. It, it goes well with the text we just got, where it says, "I think sometimes we forget that it was the Lord's army. God gave them the power from on high, and angels were always in the battle field with them. Only the faithless would have died." Wow. Ooh, yes. So it's an interesting thought. And the real the real key here in understanding this passage is that on both occasions that they come to the borders of the promised land, crossing the Jordan River is going to be an act of faith. Very much. Crossing the Jordan River, they are going into risky territory, dangerous territory. Now, the second time around, yes, they have um, already conquered two nations on the other side. And uh, they're, they're pretty full-on nations in and of their own right. Uh, but the the issue is the, an issue of faith. And this was the issue the first time around. When they go back and they, and they go to their tents and they start thinking about, you know, the dangers of going across the Jordan. When they think about the dangers of, uh, you know, being in, in, in combat, the dangers of, you know, losing their life or being maimed for life, you know, all of these kind of thoughts start to go through their head. It was a question of faith. Mm, mm. And I think we can we can easily stand back from this perspective and say, well, they should have had more faith. Which they should, we. Which they should have done. Yeah. <laughs> but would we have been different? I don't know. We don't know. We can't know because we were never there. But it's a question that we should ask ourselves because this was, to cross the Jordan was a leap of faith. Very much so. Um, and I think that... Um, the idea of would we have, like, we can't know, as you said, till we're in the situation of facing that test and having the courage and the faith 
only comes from the Lord. You can't get it from yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. You certainly can't. All right, let's uh, let's pick up. Where do we where do we get up to that time, Darren? Thirty two. Thirty two. Let's keep going. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry, so he solemnly swore not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give to your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, he will see the land because he has followed the Lord completely. I will give to him and his descendants some of the very land he explored during his scouting mission. And the Lord was angry with me because of you. He said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. Mm-hmm. Wow. Instead, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him, for he will lead Israel as they take possession of it, I will give the land to your little ones, your innocent children. You are afraid they would be captured, but they'll be the ones who occupy it. As for you, turn around now and go on back through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Then you confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go into the land and fight for it, as the Lord our God has commanded us. So your men strapped on their weapons, thinking it would be easy to attack the hill country. But the Lord told me to tell you, do not attack, for I am not with you. If you go ahead of your own, you will be crushed by your enemies. Mm, let's stop there. All right, so that's a uh, that's really does cover the history of what took place. And it was interesting how they flipped and flopped backwards and forwards. You know, uh, the, the the spies come back, and the spy says, "It's a great land," and they had a bunch of grapes that took two people to carry. You come from a grape growing region, Darren? I grew up in a grape farm. Yes. You ever seen one that big? What's the biggest you've ever seen? I've seen a bunch that filled a, a dip tin, they used to haul it back then. Okay. Um, it's just, it's just, like 20 litres? Yeah. About, about 20 litres. Okay, this would be a lot more than 20 litres, I'm thinking. Well, if it takes two, two people to carry it, that's a very large... So they'd seen that, and they're like, let's go. And then they hear the negative report, let's not go. And then God says, you're going to the wilderness, and they're like, well, let's go. Because you no, know, you're not going. That's it. <laughs> let's have more faith than they have. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's do the question of the day yes. first. All right, maybe we should do question of the day. That was a great conclusion to the show, though. <laughs> do it again. We'll do, we do it again now. in a minute. Um, let's have a bit more question for a little bit more time for question of the day, and we'll cut a little bit more off of the a little bit of time off of the end of the show. And let's get into question of the day because we actually have one which is very close to home. Um, and, and a very serious question, and it's a question that uh, Darren has himself. Yeah, Darren. well, I'm asking some pastoral care for you today. I know you're a pastor. Yeah. Um, yeah, my um, little grandson didn't make it to birth, um, about 22 weeks. Um, saw photos yesterday. He was fully formed. Um, beautiful little grandson, Theo. Um, my question is, at what point... Um, I hope I'll see Theo again in the resurrection. But when you think about babies and stillbirths and um, all that, um, when does a baby become viable? And, yeah, will I see Theo again? And, Darren, our our hearts really go out to you and to your son and to your daughter-in-law who are going through a terrible, terrible time right now. 
Um, I can't even imagine, you know, having just recently become a grandfather myself, um, how awful that is. And just, just, just want to begin by saying that and ask our listeners to be praying for Darren and his family at this particular time. The Bible talks about the resurrection of the righteous. And clearly a baby, you know, is a human being who has never sinned. You know, you can't, you can't, right. you can't assign sin to a newborn baby such as this. The Bible doesn't say, the Bible doesn't give limits on the resurrection of the righteous. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we read passages like you'll find in, and, and, and let me read this one right here because I think it's probably the greatest passage in the Bible um, that actually deals with this is in First Thessalonians chapter 4. And it says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Well, he was a much prayed for baby. He was a much loved baby already. Um, with parents who had dedicated their lives to the, the service ministry? of God um, and... You know, the Bible talks about John the Baptist, and the Bible says of John the Baptist that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Well, when he met Jesus, it says he leapt in, in the womb. womb. In the yeah. womb. He recognized the presence of Jesus even in the womb. And so from these passages, we know that an unborn child is a person. It's a living human being person. It is a person that can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the person who can recognize the presence of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so on that basis, you know, when the Bible says the dead in Christ, how can you say that a newborn or an unborn child is not in Christ if that unborn child is filled with the Holy Spirit? You're right, you're right. So when you put that together, it's not like uh you know, the Bible doesn't the Bible doesn't put restrictions on the resurrection, say everybody's going to resurrect it who died, who made it you know, to uh, to full term or yes. or to three years of age or to twelve years of age, or the Bible, the Bible does not put limits. There are times when Jesus resurrects, and he puts limits. So when Jesus resurrected Lazarus, he said, "Lazarus, come forth." Yep. He limited that resurrection. If he had not limited it by saying Lazarus, and he just said, "Come forth," the creative power of God would have brought every dead person that ever existed back to life. I never again. thought of that, but you're right. You're right. So that was a resurrection with limits. The limit here is those who are in Christ. Mm, mm. And if a baby can be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, then a baby can experience salvation. A baby can be in Christ in the womb. And uh, I have absolute confidence that Theo will be restored to his parents and to his grandparents when Jesus comes back. The Bible goes on. And it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And when I read that passage there, there is a picture in my mind of angels bringing to parents the children that they had lost and reuniting families together again because this is what God is all about. God is all about reuniting families and bringing them back together again. And then it finishes off by saying, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Darren, I have absolute confidence that your little grandson, Theo, will grow up in a world that has never seen or experienced sin. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.